0: Ya estás grabando. Aquí presento. A... Viva la raza y viva San Diego. It's me, Umberto, el compa humby, Padre Raza Memes. Welcome to episode 5 of the Padre's Raza Memes podcast. I can't believe we made it this far. We was not to get past episode 1, but here we are. I had to check in. A lot of shit has gone down since opening day. It's been an up and down crazy ride, right? but we're here. In this episode, we're going to break down every series. Arizona, San Francisco, Atlanta, Cincinnati, the Dodgers. We're also going to talk about anything relevant that's happened to the team in between. I got the hat giveaway results. I'm going to read off the winners. We're going to preview what's ahead. Barre Raza means episode five. Let's go. Last time we checked in, it was opening day, rasa. I posted the episode. I went to sleep. I woke up. Shit was already hacked. Nick. Padres acquire Jesse Rogers from the Minnesota Twins. I was like, I just woke up, Rasa. Twins get right handed starter Chris Paddock and right handed reliever Emilio pegan And the Padres get left handed reliever Taylor Rogers and outfielder Brent Worker. And just like that, Taylor Rogers slots in as your closer. He's an established reliever who's got good stuff. Doesn't he's not going to overpower you but coming from the left side being able to locate change pitches, mix speeds. It's just it was good knowing because you you didn't really know who was going to be your closer coming into opening day. Bob Melvin hinted at maybe Suarez was going to be the closer but when AJ acquired Rogers because at the, when it comes down right before opening day like AJ has done this in the past. I remember remember the the Kimbrough trade i remember the uh, BJ Upton when they came over like right literally the day of opening day or the day before teams are on a roster crunch they they don't know who to send down who who has options left or who's like in a tough spot teams are forced to make certain decisions and it, and it came to a point where the Padres had an excess amount of starting pitching with uh Chris Paddock and Pagan and Begon never really succeeded when he was here, so we sent them. It was just kind of frustrating hearing what Paddy had to say on his way out. He was making fun of the uniform, saying he looked like a UPS driver. I mean, come on, man. We gave you an opportunity. Like, I talk shit on you, but as as I know the majority of the Padres fans... They had your back. They wanted to see you succeed. The sheriff, they wanted you to have that persona, be that Texan, that tough guy that's just going to go out there and work hard on the mound. But you weren't that. You were Andrew Kashner 2.0. Like, you were good in your rookie year 2019, but that's about it. You're not going to overpower people. You don't have a power fastball. You can't throw a a curveball. Like, what do you have? Just two pitches, fastball, changeup? Like, you're not going to overpower hitters. You have to to change speeds and throw your changeup for a strike. And you got to be able to have a third pitch, a curveball. You're not that power pitcher. Like, you weren't... You've got a fucking lion tattoo. Like, what is that? Like, no. Like, I'm sorry. When you were here in San Diego, you didn't perform. It's just... That's what it was. And Pigon, like... I just think he had just had bad luck. He has good stuff. He was too... He was prone to the long ball. He, like, keeping up the long ball, so... I don't know. Like he gave up some big home runs and in, in, in crucial spots last season, and I don't know. Maybe change of scenery is the type of thing that he did. He have, but what I do know about Emilio Pagan is that he was up front and like a, he meant up to things. I remember people would get interviewed say he would literally say like, "Well, I, I didn't execute a pitch." Like he didn't make excuses for himself. So I can at least appreciate that from Emilio Pagan. Other news that happened, big news that happened was that uh, C.J. Abrams made the team. Uh, they sent down. Um, Mackenzie Gore to start off the season. Another surprising move was seeing uh, Jose Azokar also make his debut uh, with CJ. Like he's 25 years old. Uh last season he was between uh Amarillo and Triple A. He's a plus runner, solid defensive outfielder. He can play all three outfield spots, gives the team a, a true fourth outfield type behind Trent Grisham in center field. I mean the pod, the reason the reason the Padres went out and got Matt Beattie was because they didn't have any outfield depth. Like they had profile projected, at starting left, uh Grisham in center and Myers and right. Besides that, who do you have? Like you don't have anyone like I like what I've seen from Asoka. Like he can he can hold his own. Like you know, he wants he, he works hard, like like lechaganas like plays out he plays good. he gets good jumps on on routes in the outfield he'll work his walks like he'll he'll put he'll put good good contact on the ball he steals his bases that's what I like to see is someone that you, you're not gonna get a lot of opportunities but someone that hey once i'm in, there, you're gonna i'm gonna give it the best I had because I worked my whole life to get to this point he signed as a amateur free agent from Venezuela in twenty twelve he's got that immigrant mentality like he's want he wants to succeed so I'm happy for the guy i hope. Things can keep going his way, getting more opportunities, and just be able to stick on the team because we need a type of guy, a guy like that. Like I was so hyped for opening day. Like I was so excited. I was like, it's morphin' time, Rasa, Like, hey, bandwagon, sign up for him. This is the last chance. And when when the first day, uh, April seventh, when he put out the lineup, I was the first thing that automatically stood out to me was that he was having Nola in the leadoff spot. I mean, hey, if if Nola can work at bats, if he can get on base, he's not your prototypical uh, leadoff hitter. But if he gets on base, um, makes good contact, sees pitches, that's exactly what you need for Manny and Jake and everyone else in the lineup. I don't know. I I've seen I've seen some positive results. I know that lately he still he's still doing that. So I mean, if it's working, don't fix it because it's it's getting the job done. So the first game. Austin Nola leadoff big blunder. Uh, opening night was that when we acquired Jesse Rogers. Um, of the twins, um, they didn't. They weren't going to play Thursday, so he pitched like a bullpen, I believe, like a few days before. So he was he was with the team. It wasn't like he was still traveling on a plane from Minnesota to say, to Arizona. It's just that he had just thrown a bullpen two days prior, so he wasn't available. So that's why Suarez. I don't know. It's like he's making his major league debut. Pitch his whole career out in Japan. Okay, I get that. Like the nerves. Like you can tell like he was like, he's got good stuff towards a hundred miles an hour. It's just that he wasn't he was way off with his command. Like I could tell, like he had the jitters, like happens to all of us. <laughs> it's just so funny because like you're so excited, like opening day, like, yeah, everything's going perfect. Yeah, our team this year. And to get something like that where like walk, walk, gives gives it up. Stamming comes in, gets up, he gives up the walk off, and just like, not again. Why am I a Padres fan? Why does this shit happening to us? I believe Darvish had a no-hitter through six innings, I believe. And the next day, Manea comes in, I believe, seven no-hit innings. CJ and Ahsoka got their first base hits. Profar so far has been the MVP of the team. Like He is leading the team in so many categories. The biggest surprises so far has been Eric Hosmer and Jerickson Profar. Profar in 16 games, he already has four home runs. He's already matched his home run total from last year. And I saw Eno Harris speaking on Benin Woods and what they were saying is that, yeah, both Hosmer and Profar has gotten off to a hot start. Hosmer's still the type of the same hitter, he's just been lucky. So he's just gonna keep hitting the ball into the ground, rounding into double plays. But Profar, he's swinging at different pitches, putting more good solid contact on the ball, swinging at the higher pitch. This is is the different hitter that we're seeing in Profar. And people have forgot who Profar really was. Everyone knows his backstory. Um, Little League World Series with Curacao. He was in the Texas organization, but people don't know that he was the prospect. Back in the day, pro far, like coming up like a 16, 17 year old, like he it was a prospect that scouts like AJ Preller would drool over. He was rated as a top prospect coming up and just wasn't panning out. Like he'd be a, he's an average MLB player, but he didn't live up to the hype. And it's just interesting to see. If at 29 years old, Jurickson Profar has figured it out. I I knew Profar was going to start in left. I always knew, A, he, hey, it just works for him. Like, with, with things, what we currently have, he is the best option in the outfield. Like, yeah. But people were getting him so much shit. Like, I remember people saying, me, like, no, like, we don't even want him as part of our plans. He shouldn't be a starter. At best, he, he should be an fourth outfielder defensive substitution what does he come out and done second game hits a home run and then Joe Musgrove comes out the Saturday game which lined them up for the Thursday home opener Padres lose the first one come back and win the second one with Manea win the third one with with Musgrove and coming into Sunday Snellzilla's on the mound not even a throws one pitch into the game he Gets injured warming up. Like I believe it was some sort of um inside inside muscle like hip. I don't know what it was. Blake Snell gets scratched before throwing a single pitch live pitch. Automatically first thought first thought into your head is the worst. Like, oh my god, here we go. Injuries. Season's over already. Injury after injury. Why us? But what we hear is that it's not that bad for Blake Snell. Bob Melvin goes with Nabil Chrismat, I, and he was solid. I don't know how many innings that he pitched. Nabil Chrismat pitched three innings, three shutout innings. Profile with the Grand Slam. But yeah, like it would have been nice to sweep the Arizona Diamondbacks, but taking three out of four in the first series, like that's a good, that's good. Anything, anytime. You, On the road, the goal should always be to win the series. And especially against bad teams, you want to sweep them. So three out of four in Arizona was good. So right after Arizona, four straight games, the Padres, they fly out to San Francisco. The Padres win the first one. Nick Martinez, solid five innings. Yeah, Nola, solo home run. Flipped the rotation. Darvish was with a dud. Threw 1.2 innings. Gave up eight hits, nine earned runs, two walks. What's interesting about the game on, on Tuesday, April 12th, 2022, several things that caught my eye. So basically what happened was, I believe the score was like 8-1 to one in the third or the fourth inning. And the Giants are still stealing bases. Mike Schilt is subbing for Matt Williams who had I believe hip surgery or something like that so Mike Schill is with the team he was a candidate a leading candidate for the uh, head coaching position before it was um, Bob Melvin came out of nowhere since Mike Schill everyone thinks Mike Schill is just gonna be a one-year deal one year one one and done where he's gonna be offered another t- position with another team this offseason but hey we're l- lucky enough to have MLB caliber manager in our organization like we're gonna take advantage of that so when Matt Williams was going to be out to start off the season. Uh, Mike Schiller, hey, i hey, a, I'll do it. I'll step in. He's like, he's a great baseball mind. He's a winner. So, so what happened was Mike Schild screamed into the the Gi- Giants dugout because he's with the third base coach. He said, like, cut that shit. He said something along the lines of, cut that shit out. Get your get get your guy under control. And as he was looking, from my my understanding, he was looking towards the um the manager of the Giants, Gabe Kapler, but the third base coach, the third base coach for the Giants was African American. He took it as some racially charged like wording or like control, like oh black man, control him. He's out of control. Like control him. Basically, he was saying along those lines that he felt that Mike Schultz comments where some racial comments which then allowed a he was the third base coach which then allowed lisa nakin the first woman to coach on field in mlb history to come to be the, the first base coach like the reason she was not even out there was because of the because when the third base coach of the giants he felt attacked by mike schilt he started saying something and came out and he was he was like he came out to the top steps, and the umpire is the one that ejects him for like I don't know why, um but basically the umpires had Mike Schultz back and then later that game, Mauricio duban um he bunts with the shift on, and they're up like like one and he's bunting that shit crossed the line like I don't care. How fucking analytical your team or your organization's gonna be, you don't do that shit. People are saying it's unwritten rules, like if the the thing is Grand Slam, if if you if if you were okay with that, you should be okay with bunting. No, that's that's not even the point. What what I am upset is you're padding your stats, you're padding your individual stats. You're basically, he, there was no one on the left-hand side. No, no one on the, basically the shift was on. He bunted and no one was it remotely close. So he took the easy way out. He got a, he rather get a cheapy hit. That's what it was. But the reason I'm upset is, come on, you're already winning. This game is dragging out. Move along. Like, okay, I'm not saying try less. It looked, it, it looked selfish to me that I'm going to get my hit. And it's like a respect thing, like it's not it's not good sportsmanship, and people were comparing it and like it was not like a nowhere close like that the this Grand Slam was nothing like bunting winning by a lot, so that's what I had to say about that game. Which was odd. And then that Wednesday game, uh, the rubber match, we should have won that game. Like no but no one was hitting. It was like a two-one score. Like you can tell that you know the team was already over it at that point. Like let's just get out of here. Like we need we have a plane to catch. Out of those first seven games, our record was four and three. We won three out of four in Arizona and we won one out of three in San Francisco. But in my mind, we should have won we should have swept Arizona, won the first game, the one where we blew the lead, and we should have won the series, winning two out of three out of the Giants. So in my mind, instead of four and three, we should have been six and one. But okay, those were those are the kind of things that frustrates me that we let games we let games get away. They end they come back ending biting us in the ass at the end when we're looking at the standings. But okay, whatever, we made it out. We don't have the tease, okay, we made it out alive. But we get to come home first. Padres opening day. That was probably one of the best days. Like I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. I got fucked up that day. Headed out to. This was this was my day. I got to downtown. I want to say like around twelve. We go into the tailgate lot. It's perfect. There's not that many cars. We were one of the first ones to get our our spots. I had my yeti cooler. I was there with some friends, but some more friends were gonna get meet up with them. El compa Milton, el compa Santi, they were gonna meet up with us there. So we're chilling, drinking. I have this my have my speaker. We're jamming out, and then I don't know, I don't know where I'm like I got I was happy my friends were there. Then they showed up. we were drinking. We we're dancing, and then before the before we went into the stadium, I was like fuck it, Yolo, and I ate eight gummies, and I think at this point I'm probably like six drinks in. We go into the stadium. A little bit of time goes by, and then the gummies kick in. And I'm just chilling. Watching the game. Saw CJ's first home run. Padres crushed the Braves 12-1. to This was Thursday. And then the next day, Friday, the Braves hit a home run late in the 8th inning to win 5-2. Other news, we see Tatis out. Playing soccer in the outfield, trips and falls, and that was during a nationally televised Fox game. I believe it was Saturday in El Día. And oh my god, every news outlet ran with it. it, made him look bad. It was a bad look. I mean, I don't care if he's okay to do good conditioning, let him have fun. Like, he's, you're not gonna put him in, a in bubble wrap for the rest of his career. Like, just, he's just a guy. Like, falling on your hand, I don't think that's could end up being reckless on a motorcycle, but like, it looked bad because he felt. Come on, he knows his body, the team knows what they're doing. I went to the game again, on. On Saturday, the day game, a rare Saturday day game where the Padres lose five two with Nick with Nick Martinez back on the mound. Like I feel like, eh, you got your five starter and you couldn't you couldn't really produce. Um, far had a home run that game. Bats, the bats haven't been there. And then Sunday, the Padres win two one. When Snell went down the next time up through the rotation, they called up Mackenzie Gore to make up his major league debut. And so far, Gore's been impressive. Debut at home versus the Braves. Sunday gets to no decision. Comes back, pitches against the Reds. Solid again. Live fastball. Like, I hope Gore can learn from Niebla, get experience, because just seeing it, he's got it. Like, what did Mark Grant call him? El Gato quick off the mound, has the stuff, has the build, has a mentality. Mackenzie Gore is everything that Chris Paddock wishes he was. Chris Paddock wanted to be what? mackenzie gore is right now yeah gore gets pumped up and excited it's not like bragging or like it's not bragging or in an op, in a obnoxious way like gore he's a competitor but he just i feel like he does it the right way like he's got a cool demeanor about him like he doesn't look flustered on the mound He know he looks totally comfortable composed within himself he knows how talented he is he knows if i can spot my fastball you can't hit me so i expect big 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 things from mackenzie gore and i'm uh, un rosario in nuestras oraciones raza, that he stays healthy, can learn, improve because um the sky is the limit for that guy. Okay, and then things get really interesting. So at after the first two road series, um Atlanta comes in, we split the series so two out of four. So that brings up the season total from four and three to six to six and five. And Cincinnati and Tommy Pham come into San Diego. And everyone everyone called it, like that's just what it is. It's, listen, it's one of the many curses that the Padres have where players that were on the team, they get traded or signed with other teams and they go off and murder us. This is very common. Um, names that I can think of that have come back to haunt us. Jed Jerko, Alex Dickerson from the Giants. So everyone had a weird, had a bad feeling that Tommy Pham, who had, at that point Pham was 3-for-29 as the Reds' losing streak had reached seven games. But first inning, home run. And then the manny bomb. And then the next day, another home run. But basically, Tommy Pham the first day went 3-for-4, almost hitting for the cycle. But the big event of that game was during the middle of the game... I believe Profar hits the ball down the line to left corner where Fam's playing. Um, Luke Voigt's on second. I don't even know if it's the first or second. Long story short is that he's big and he's slow. And Mike Schilt gave him the green light. I believe he hadn't even rounded third base when Fam picked up the ball down in the corner. He picks it up. He throws it into short. The throw from shortstop to home wasn't the perfect throw. It wasn't on line. It basically um what you're taught to do is you you, like get a lane like you're either inside or outside of the runner and you need to make sure you're both on the same page so i believe the the catcher has set up on the outside the throw brought him on the inside part of the bag which made him shift his positions and luke's a luke voigt's a big boy like out of all the parties on the team he's probably the guy that you least want to get trucked by so voigt had to change so void he was trying to avoid avoid contact, but the the throw and the catcher brought brought him right into him, and the slide wasn't dirty. I can see I can see both sides, but the play in my eyes was definitely not dirty. His arms come down and they come down on the catcher's head, so that's what the Reds had objection to was not the slide. He didn't. Cleat him or anything, but when he slid, the arms came forward and kind of like with his elbows and his forearms hitting the catcher's head. The catcher kept on to the ball. I mean, Voight was out. They even reviewed it to see if it was a dirty player, because if it, that were the case, if it was a sliding violation, uh, profile would have gone gotten back to first base because I believe he was at second base. After the game, I don't know if this is fam trying to fire up a terrible team on a losing streak, but he comes out and says, "I thought that play was dirty, like it boy." If Voight, wants to, if Voight wants to fight, I know a, a gym owner in San Diego. Like, I, I don't know Muay Thai or Jiu-Jitsu for no reason. There's some pride and confidence in knowing that you can defend yourself. Like, some crazy shit. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, why are you saying this? And he's responding to Twitter. The reason people boo Tommy Fam is because, not because he didn't do he did bad as a padre but because he was he's just a bad person brought up political things anti-vaccine stimulus like making jokes about immigrants coming to this country just to get the stimulus i don't know I, i i always got a bad vibe from him like he was just an angry black man angry at the world and i get that maybe maybe that's how you motivate yourself like Everyone knows that Tommy Pham is a hard worker. He used to be a good player on the Cardinals, a good player on the Tampa Bay Rays. But he was hurt the first year he was on the Padres, the short in 2020 season. and 2021, he just didn't produce. But we boo him because he likes to show off his Lamborghini, his Ferrari, anything that he buys. He got stabbed at the strip club. Like I don't know. It's just, I just didn't really see him as a good piece, a good clubhouse guy. So I, That's why I, I, I don't like Tommy Pham and why I boo him. But the same thing. The second game, ho- lead off home run off of Musgrove this time. Same thing. The following deja vu. Power's come up to hit. Nola gets on. Manny bomb. Manny he with Miguel Cabrera getting the three thousand hits. Like question that was on everyone everyone's mind is okay. Who's next? Who's on track? Who's on? Who's the next active player on track to reach three thousand hits? And I believe like someone asked me that, and like I I responded. I look at who, I look at who's active, and the two names that just pop out to me are Bryce Harper and Manny Machado. I I believe that both of their careers are gonna get, uh compared because they they came up at the same age. Um, their first year was at was in uh they were both nineteen when they came up. And they're both on their 11th season as professional players. They both tested free agency. Manny from Baltimore got traded to the Dodgers when he was about to be a free agent, signed with the Padres, $300 million contract. Same thing with Bryce Harper, tested free agency, didn't get traded, signed with the Phillies. But at 29 years old, Manny Mitchell has 1,400 and something hits. And same thing with Bryce Harper. Like, he's in his, I believe, 1,400-something. But I, I think Machado has more. But at 29 years of age, Manny consistently... People give Machado a lot of shit that he's lazy. He's so good that he, it looks like he's not trying. People think he's lazy, but he just knows when to give a max effort, when to go all out, when to conserve his body. And look at it. I saw a crazy stats since 2016, 2017. I don't know what year it was, but Manny Machado has most games played. Like, this man, he's durable as they come. He puts his body in a position where he's going to be call on and he's going to be there to perform yeah his first year 2019 maybe didn't live live up to expectations but 2020 2021 Manny Machado is putting up consistent top 5 top 10 numbers and he's on pace to I believe reach 3,000 hits at at his point in his career if Harper and Machado can stay healthy I can see them both reaching 3,000 hits so what then what became the issue was are the Reds going to retaliate are they going to get hit void one day that ended up happening was Melvin void. He's been struggling. I called it. I said Manny Machado is going to get plunked. They're going to plunk our best hitter to send a message. And that's literally what he did. But if you look at if you look at Manny now, Manny 2022 against 21, 19, 20, 21-year-old Manny Machado gets plunked on purpose. What does he do? Young Machado would have rushed, rushed him out and gotten into a brawl. But what does Padres Manny Machado do? He takes it like a champ. Has a grin on it because he knows it was coming. It's part of the game. Manny, he's paid his dues. He's learned. He's had his ups and downs. But he's the captain on the team. If he has to wear it for the team, so be it. But Manny can handle that. So the Reds, they're they're a shitty team. Last place. They have nothing to lose. I don't expect much from them. Like Hitting Manny on purpose shows what kind of trash franchise they are. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if the Reds retaliate back when the team goes back to Cincinnati. But sweeping the Reds, day off, a much needed day off because the Padres played. At 14 games, the Padres are nine and five. That's pretty good. We could have been like, instead of nine and five, like 11 and three or 12 and two, but I'm not gonna be greedy. That set up the stage for the rival Dodgers coming to town, coming to San Diego. I was pretty hyped for that game. First game, Friday night. You know, beer fest, a lot of shit, crazy atmosphere. Padres lose 6-1. Nick Martinez, I believe he had five walks. Five walks in the game, got out of some basic loaded jams. Just offense couldn't do anything. Jake is struggling. Grisham is struggling. Voight hasn't done anything. Hosmer, he's still getting lucky. CJ hasn't done anything. If you have Pro-4 and and Hosmer carrying the team, there's something wrong, you know? So that was going on. There was a huge fight out in left field in right field two la fans versus two Padres fans the dodger fan rocked the padre fan he got a good punching and they got it on camera and people memed the hell out of that and people were like padres took two Ls tonight on the field and off the field and i'm like damn can't say anything to that that was friday night then you also had the video that I posted. Someone sent to me. Dodger girl takes this kid's lucha, padre's lucha libre más. She stomps all over it. He comes back, takes her hat, frisbees it down to the section below. And it was like so satisfying. It was so funny. The big, big game. I probably... I would say this this game was probably, besides Padre's opening day, home opening day, I think this was probably the biggest, was going to be the biggest sellout of the season. The the Saturday game against the Dodgers. I I know there's another weekend series in September. Like, if both teams are in playoff contention, I expect that one to be the most important game. But those three games, most sellouts. Because it's like, biggest rival. It's going to be a packed house. And it's a weekend series. And always a Saturday, draws a bigger crowd. So, you Darvish. That game solid. I believe six sh- shutout innings. And then you had Jake the Ray Cronenworth getting his first home run. También, also that game, the, the, the bats weren't coming alive either. Besides the Jake home run. That game, it shouldn't have gone in extra innings. We were up 2-0 and then Turner hits it. They bring in Rodgers for the five or six out save. He hits it with two uh, with two outs. He uh, Turner hits it to the wall. Grish, uh, Pro Farm misplays it leg- he jumps right into the wall. I don't, see how, how, I don't know how he didn't get hurt two runs scored tie game 2-2 two, two. Rogers gets out of it but that it sucked to go, go into extra innings and the play of the game was when they had the Dodgers had the ghost running around on second base to start of the 10th inning um I believe Chris Taylor was on second base there was a fly ball to uh left field to pro far and it was deep to a point where The Dodgers were like, okay, we're going to test it. This guy hasn't played left field for a long time. His arm shouldn't be that strong. So we're in a spot close, end of the game. It's a gamble that that they were willing to take. Profar gets the ball. Everyone knew. I was like, get in, throw it in, throw it in, throw it in. And yeah, he, he tagged up. Throw was a good throw on the line. Or one hopper to Manny. Tags him double play. Ghost Runner eliminated. Next innings, I believe CJ's on second base. Grisham Bunt moved him over to third. Nola Sack five. CJ scored. We win the game. I felt like that game was a really close game, showed both sides how they're pretty evenly matched. The first game was close up until the the Friday game was close up until the end. Uh, what was the score? Six to one. It was two to one up until the f- up until the seventh, and the Dodgers scored three, and then went in the ninth for six to one. So, that game got away. Uh, late in the end, and. The Sunday day game that was just a major dud. No offense, the bats were dead. But yeah, but things could be worse. I, I always said it, Rasa, you have to tread water, keep it around five hundred. Beat the teams that we're supposed to beat. Wait till we get Snell back. Wait till we get Clevenger back. We're gonna get better. P- Our pitching has been carrying us. We've the starting pitching has been carrying us. They've been so good. Besides Darvish's San Francisco start, he's been good. Manea, he's been really good. Manea has been better than than advertised and we expected. Musgrove solid. Joe's going to put up in numbers. He's a free agent. He says he wants to. I don't know. It's a complicated thing than just saying the Padres should give Musgrove the extension. It's because the new collective bargaining agreement, the luxury tax, like if the Padres gave ex- Joe Musgrove an extension in season, that's going to fuck up, like go, going over the luxury taxes and all the limit and all that stuff. So the Padres have expressed that they really, really want to keep Joe. Joe has said that he would like to be here but he's not focused on that he's just working on competing putting up the numbers being solid if they reach an agreement like basically if it's meant to be it'll be you know like but i'm not worried about joe's contract now we just need him focused because he's carrying it he, he's a big reason why this, the starting rotation is carrying this team so that's it that's it Russell that's that's the wrap-up so far these these 17 games as things currently stand the Padres are 10 and 7 i would want to us to be maybe 12 and 5 or something like that but we can't complain like this is gonna be one hell of a ride this summer Rasa. it's gonna be fun gonna be competitive but this is what we have coming up the Padres aren't at home until Thursday May 5th against Miami but right now they go on the road to Cincinnati for three Tuesday Wednesday Thursday then they go on the road they travel to Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh for a weekend series. Then they play two games in Cleveland. A day off after the Sunday Pittsburgh game. I don't know what they're gonna do, but an off day on the road, okay. Two games in Cleveland, and then they come home for they come home for Miami and Chicago. Um, as things currently stand, I'm probably gonna go to the Saturday, the seventh game against Miami, and also I'm going to the the ninth. On Monday, we're going to giving out the Tony Gwynn jersey. Hey, it's Tony Gwynn's birthday. Hey, paying our respects to the Padres legend, you know? getting Anytime you get free stuff from the Padres, yeah, you got to take advantage of that. So, that's what we have. And then after that, they go on the road to Atlanta. So, I think another good checkpoint for us, Rasa, is after the Atlanta series, um... They get an off day on May 16th. That's a fucking long-ass road trip. They leave the 11th after Chicago Wednesday because they leave right after the game. So they're going to be on the road from the 11th all the way to the 23rd. In that time, they play Atlanta, Philadelphia, and then San Francisco. And then they're back home from Milwaukee and Pittsburgh at the end of May and then back on the road so hey this is what we love this is what we signed up for baseball Padres we got a good team we're gonna keep competing like right now what I said this is a marathon like hey, how many times do we play the Dodgers like I don't know like 18 times think of it of an 18 round boxing match like the first round you're gonna touch gloves Feel, feel each other out. You're not at full strength. You're seeing what you got as a team. You're seeing what other teams got. But this is the marathon. Where the Padres have failed is they've gone all out at the beginning. Last year, perfect example. Hot at the beginning of the season and faded out and burned down when the team in September when the, the crucial games. That this isn't going to be back till the end of June, maybe June, July. Clev, we're going to ease in. Snell, we're going to ease in because we need Snell. If we're going to win a World Series, we need we need motherfucking Blake Snell pitching Cy Young form. You know, last year when he got on that run with that perfect game uh, straight, I think like two or three stars where he hadn't given up a hit or a run. It was crazy. That's vintage Blake Snell. We're going to need Snell in the playoffs. And Clev. So a few weeks ago, Parks and Normals uh, sent me a care package. Um, Shout-outs to them. They were just uh, grateful for the content that we are putting out, supporting the Padres. That they sent me over some hats. Um, I believe I got five hats. And just giving back, these are pretty cool padres theme inspired hats. Uh, I decided to do a giveaway. I thought it would be a good idea. Like, I mean, I have a lot of hats, so, uh, I mean, if I can just spread the love and give it to more Padres fans uh why not yeah we did, we, we did a giveaway on Instagram and said uh, giveaway rasa thanks to parks and normals and we giving away this Mexican rasa inspired snapback uh so originally i thought it was just going to give away one hat but fuck it let's just give away all of them um i saw a lot of great answers so thanks to everyone that commented and uh, left a comment who actually um put effort into it like seeing like seeing the responses it it, it made me realize that like what we have here is uh, We're trying to grow something, stay united, uh, be supportive of one another. So uh, the rules for the contest were uh, like this post, follow Parks and Normals and Padres Raza memes. Leave a comment below answering, what does Padre Raza mean to you? I'll pick a winner based on the resp- on response that I like the most. Contest ends 4-17, which was last Sunday at 9 p.m. So I I knew I wasn't going to have a chance to do... uh. So basically what I did is at 9 o'clock last, on, on the 17th, I went to the comments. I did a screen record of all the comments and... um. I made my decision based off this video so any any comments that that were left thereafter they wouldn't they wanted they weren't included so uh, i'm just gonna read off the comments so what we're gonna do is instead of giving away one hat we're gonna give away all five so just a little brief description on what all the hats look like the mexico tj inspired green padre hat the brown brown and gold sd with the with the players on it the current players we have a 98 themed padres snapback uh, the white and orange SD with the navy blue. Then we got another brown and orange classic, um, with the, the Tony Gwynn with the San Diego Chicken on it. Uh, football inspired Heisman. I see Reggie Bush. So, like, uh, native SD players. So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the, the five comments. I kind of organized them in based off the order that I thought, I would like, one through five. So, if you see your, if you, if I pick you, um, whoever's number one gets first dibs of whichever hat they want and we'll go down the list. So, I saw a lot of good comments. I, I appreciate that. Uh, but these are the ones, the ones that, like, stood out to me. And then when I read them to me, like, I, I felt like some sort of connection too. So, number one, we have Jago underscore 11. Padre Raza means a friar culture that supports our team no matter the outcome, a family that that comes together as one to hate on the Dodgers, but most of all, a way for all of us Padre fans to be connected through social media and share the love for our Padres. But yeah, that basically sums that up, so thank you for that one. Next up, I have Hikaru underscore Darku. Padre Raza means familia and a strong love for the sport and the Padres. Having something in common to have some good times and buenos recuerdos. I love it. Yep, I like that one. Next up, we have Agent underscore Drew. The heritage and the legacy of all the Latinos that have played for the Padres over the years. Not to mention the all of us that have stuck stuck it out through the bad years and still support the team even when they play horrible and never giving up. Because knowing one day, we will win it all. Yes i like that one next up jorge delgado underscore padre raza means to me a, a true a baseball family that enjoys the ball game and keeps the games lit tirando desmadre en nuestra casa petco park solo como nosotros sabemos viva la raza three fire emojis exactly and last up we have john cxix Padre Raza is legit. The page us Latino Padres fans needed, bro. Puro pinche cura con los memes. Win or lose. That's what we all need in today's world. Laughter. Good job, brother. Yeah, I appreciate the comment. So, um, I'm going to send each one of you guys a, a, a message. The um, order, Jego11 gets first dibs. And then, Jicaro Darku, Agent Drew, Jorge Delgado, and John DXXIX. So, Thank you for leaving the comment and let me know whichever hats you uh you would prefer. Thanks. So that about wraps it up, Rasa. Just wanted to check in, say some few things. We're gonna take this shit to the next level. We're gonna get better. We're gonna get Tatis back. We're gonna get Clevenger back. We're gonna get Snell back. Manny's got the MVP season coming. Jake's gonna get hot. Void's gonna figure it out. Musgrove's gonna carry us. Darvish gonna be consistent. Nick Martinez is gonna prove us wrong. Mane is gonna be solid, he's a free agent, he wants his next contract. Hey, Gore's gonna be rookie of the year. See you in a few weeks, Lasa. Go Padres. For the 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 Fuck the Dodgers. Fuck, yeah, fuck the Dodgers. Fuck it all yeah, I said fuck out. fight back again and it's all fucked fuck, yeah. oh. up fuck fuck fuck, 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 fuck the Dodgers. Fuck the Dodgers. Yeah, fuck the Dodgers. Oh. <laughs>